Right, well firstly I'd like to extend a very warm welcome to um, some representatives from Uttlesford Youth Council. I believe we have uh, Youth Council Chairman, Councillor Millie Walter and Councillor Tom Burbeck and they will be speaking a little later this evening at Agenda Item 8. Um, right, we have two public speakers tonight. Um, so could I call to the table the first gentleman who is, oh sorry, Councillor Sandy Merrifield from Stepping Parish Council. Good evening. Um, firstly, I'd like to address um, something that was on the PPWG minutes. Um, the only person that Stebbing Parish Council met with was Mr. Miles and not the QC as is implied in the PPWG minutes, and this needs to be corrected. Um, so carrying on now. The addendum of focus, change, focus changes. Should we be grateful? No, we should not. This is UDC's way of protecting their backs, something that perhaps they need not be doing if they paused for a few weeks to consider Inspector Clues's advice to the North Essex authorities. Not grateful because the community of Stebbing has been and continues to be let down by this council. It could be said that Uttlesford has ridden Braintree District Council's coattails or followed their lead for taking up west of Braintree. Do you know, or have most of you even ever seen, the 12 scenarios in the Regulation 18 Sustainability Appraisal? If you look at Table 87 in Appendix 1, it's there that West of Braintree featured in every one of the scenarios, whereas the others had a 50% chance or less being included. So the odds that Stebbing was going to be there was low, or was high, sorry. Now you find yourselves sitting here being asked to vote on this West of Braintree on this. West of Braintree delivery is a big risk, despite Braintree District Council ploughing on regardless and really appearing not to focus on the inspector's comments. SPC does not believe that they will satisfy the inspector, despite Councillor Rolfe continuously stating that the problem is really with West Tay. Stebbing Parish Council hears or is warned, and I will go no stronger at the moment, that if the garden community is withdrawn, we could face the threat of a planning application of 1,500 to 2,000 houses. Aren't we a lucky community? If West of Braintree were not to go ahead, I am sure that as professionals, UDC planners have been looking already for numbers of potential sites around the district and could very well meet the 970 requirement immediately if necessary. SPC would like to know, is there a five-year housing supply? Has the local development planning team been actively researching, seeking potential sites to fulfil the gap that the loss of West of Braintree would leave? How many planning applications are there at present? In the terms of the six points of the on the addendum, Stebbing Parish Council still and will continue to pursue the withdrawal of West of Braintree from the local development plan. Therefore, we will make our comments during the six-week consultation. However, we note 
that in the FC number four, that it has been left yet again to the development plan document to test the delivery model, whether it be private-led or development corporation. And we note there is no explanation of how a quality and collaboration partnership works or what it is made up of. So how can the community make comments? We ask that this consultation be well advertised, especially around Stebbing. Thank you. Thank you. Um, could I ask Michael Young to come and speak now, please? I wish to make three points concerning housing need. Firstly, a reminder that the present calculation is illogical. This principally affects Epping and Uttlesford. My second point concerns the addition for communal establishments. I would think you will find that the total of 504 should be 542, and you need to deduct rooms in care homes, class C2, since they are not classified as properties. But more importantly, it's not necessary to include these in the housing figures at all, or specify where they will be built. This was accepted at the East Hearts examination. My third point concerns the latest position. As from 24th of January, housing need will be based on a new government formula, but until then existing methods can be used. The government advice on this point is clear-cut. The most up-to-date figures should be used. And these are, of course, the household projections issued in September. These figures came as no surprise. They could easily be deduced from the population forecasts issued in May. We knew what was coming. The effect is significant. Using the methodology adopted by Peter Brett and Litchfields, arguably the two leading firms of planning consultants, methodology that has been accepted by the planning inspectorate across the country, including in South Cams and Braintree, this shows a housing need figure of 3,000 less than it The changes can be made very easily. Consultants can redo the figure in days, more likely in minutes. With the possible exception of Braintree, neighbouring districts are not affected, and there is time for consultation. It can be done, but it would require will, resolve and determination. Councils don't normally plan for considerably more homes than they need without good reason. Planning inspectors will probably be more concerned about delivery and infrastructure issues rather than the actual numbers, whilst property developers will be rubbing their hands whilst not believing their luck. But don't let's be under any illusions. We would still be talking big numbers. At present, the Council is considering an increase of 45%. Apart from Tower Hamlets, this is the highest of all 337 planning authorities. Reducing it by 3,000 would reduce it to 36%. Reducing it by 2,000 would give 39%. This would still be considerably higher than almost all our neighbours. I appreciate the Council is not voting specifically on this matter tonight, 
But if anything is to change, it needs to be done quickly and resolutely. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I will ask the officers to respond to the points raised um, when the item is considered later in the agenda. So, moving on now to apologies and declarations of interest. Um, I have had apologies from um, Councillor Anjum, Freeman, Councillor Harris, Councillor Knight, Councillor Lachlan and Councillor Redfern. Are there any further apologies? No. Councillor Lodge, thank you. And Councillor? Yes, Councillor Davis is delayed and could be well missed the start of the meeting, which he has. Okay. Okay, before I take um, declarations for interest, I've been asked by the legal officer to draw your attention to the fact that members of Stop Stansted expansion should declare a personal interest in relation to the motion about Stansted Airport tonight. If anybody's got any questions about that, um, Mr Pugh is happy to take them. So other than that, do we have any declarations of interest? Councillor Artis. Uh, uh, declaration of interest as the Chairman of the Strategic Aviation Special Interest Group. Thank you. And Councillor Freeman. Yes, a member of the Town Council, Saffron Warden. Thank you. A member of the substitute member for the planning committee. Thank you, Councillor Gerard. Um, Councillor Dean. Yes, I, I do declare an interest as a member of Stop Stansted Expansion. Uh, Councillor Foley. Sorry. I declare an interest as of tonight. My cheque here to become a member of Stop Stansted Expansion, and I urge you all to do the same. Okay, Councillor Lemon. Um, yeah, I'm a member of the planning committee. Thank you. Likewise. No, we, don't, we don't need... Yeah. No, I didn't think no. we did. Councillor Parker. Rebecca, it's County Council, Chairman. Thank you. OK. That's everything. OK, thank you. We will then move... Chairman's announcements. Um, Firstly, and sadly, I would on behalf of this council like to offer condolences and pay tribute to the late David Westcott, who died recently. He was a member for Great Dunmo South from 1983 to 1995 and was not only chairman and vice chairman of various committees, but he was also leader of this council from 1990 to 91. Um, and also, very sadly, I would like to pay, pay tribute and offer condolences on behalf of this council to Councillor Oliver, whose wife died very recently. Councillor um, Roberts. Could I ask, could we stand in silence just for one minute, please? Indeed.
Right, um, minutes of the previous meeting. Are you happy that I signed those? Okay, we're moving on then to item four, which is reports from the leader and from the members of the executive. Thank you very much indeed, um, Madam Chairman, and I would like to add uh, uh, my condolences to those that uh, you've uttered to David Westcott and um, Louise. Um, my report is laid out, uh, Chairman, um, on page 17, uh, so I have no intention of reading it out, but obviously we'll be happy to take questions. Uh, I would just like to... Um, Add uh, at uh, the uh, in addition to it that um, we are when I say we uh, the um, chief executive and I are meeting Jeanette Rawlinson who is the new chief inspector of uh, the region Braintree and Uttlesford Police Force uh, and that there is a public meeting with the Police Fire and Crime Commissioner in November. Um, I would also like to uh, read out, and I apologise because uh, I think when we sent out the note to say that um, the Carver Barracks motion was uh, being withdrawn, we didn't really explain why, so I apologise to uh, <coughs> Councillor Jones on that point, and um, he'll obviously make his own comments when we come to that item. Uh, but uh, for your information, um, the, uh, Adrian Webb received a note from the senior estate surveyor for the army which basically said that removal of the contingent liability um, is of course helpful however it's not the main, main issue causing delay at this stage and he then lays out what is the main uh, reason. A national review is being undertaken which includes Carver Barracks within its scope. Following the review, a plan will be formulated which requires ministerial approval to implement. This is expected early next year. Uh, it's considered imprudent to embark upon the project immediately prior to a strategic level decision. Whilst it would be disappointing for the funding to be lost, the Army is not willing to commit to a decision it may regret post a ministerial announcement. And then it goes on to say it's been appreciated a lot of work's uh, gone into the project and uh, obviously hopes that UDC will continue to be patient. And we will continue to be patient. The money is uh, in the budget and we'll stay with it. Um, we'll uh, talk to Kemi, who were also, Kemi Bagnock, who we're also uh, meeting this Friday uh, and ask if she can um, expedite the process, but I sense that she probably can't and they won't make a public announcement until they're ready. So I hope that clarifies why the motion was withdrawn. Clearly there's no point in continuing until the army are crystal clear. Final point I'd like to make was uh, having um, spent uh, a number of days at the Conservative Party conference in Birmingham. Um, there were three points I want to report back to you on, uh, most of which you've read anyway, but obviously very good news for Uddlesford 
Council that the borrowing cap has been lifted. We don't quite know when that's going to happen, but it's an important announcement. Uh, the Prime Minister, the Secretary of State and the Housing Minister reaffirmed their commitment to 300,000 houses per annum. Um, and uh, the final point is I was able to have a session with uh, the Housing Minister, Kit Malthouse, and uh, we will endeavour to get him to Uttlesford, indeed to the, the broader region uh, that I refer to in my note um, uh, amusingly called Middle Earth but, um, so, because I think it's important that he sees what's going on in Hertfordshire as well as the context uh, of uh, Stansted and our own housing proposals. So I think that's helpful to, to get the Minister down um, and uh, similarly uh, I understand moves are being made by Hertfordshire to get the Secretary of State for Transport to come to the area so uh, it's, uh, we, we should be seen from both angles and those two angles of course must be joined up because one follows the other. Uh, housing must follow um, uh, uh, infrastructure. Okay, I think that's uh, it, Chairman. Thank, uh, thank you very much. Thank you. Um, the portfolio for, holder for environmental services. Thank you, Chairman. The report is there for you to read. I too would like to add my condolences to Shirley Westcott on the, love of, on the loss of David. Um, he was a lovely bloke, she's a lovely lady, and uh, I saw her only recently. And uh, I know then David was not in a good way, so um, very sad. Um, he was my predecessor on Dumbo. He taught me a lot about Dumbo since I've been in the role as county councillor. I'm happy, Chairman, to answer any questions on my portfolio. And I welcome the um, motion that we'll be discussing later on, on the, with, the, with the desire to reduce the use of single-use plastics throughout Arkansas. And we'll have that debate later on. Thank you, Chairman. Thank you. Um, Councillor Howell. Uh, Madam Chairman, uh, I won't speak to my report if you don't mind. We have a busy agenda tonight. I know it's going to be a long evening. I, like Councillor Barker, very happy to answer questions on anything that's raised, but I'll assume that everyone's read it. Um. Sorry, Councillor Morris. Thank you. Um, just a quick question, Councillor Howe. You mentioned universal credit in your report. Um, we obviously hear in the news some horrendous cases of people where payments have been delayed. In one case this week, um, a claimant is still waiting eight months later and she's received nothing. I'm just wondering if we're experiencing anything like that level um, or, or are these anomalies that we're hearing about in the news? Well, uh, Councillor Morris, I'm, I'm not sure that I'm aware of the particular case that you're talking about. Um, I'm, I'm, are you specifically referring to one here in Uttlesford? Oh, no, sorry. I'm talking about reports on national news no, of, well, of how the process appears to not be going very well. Uh, uh, Councillor Morris, that's very reassuring because the reality is the reports I have from officers is that while there are inevitably challenges connected with the introduction of universal uh, credit, so far as we are concerned as a council, we're managing that, we're putting investment into ensuring that we ensure that new, new claims are, are managed and processed appropriately, there's additional support in place, um, and we are not experiencing incidents like that. Clearly, if councillors are aware of incidents that they are concerned about, they should raise those directly with officers. Um, but, but I can assure you that the feedback that we have received is that things are progressing positively. Thank you. Um, Councillor Ranger. Thank you, Chairman. I think you may have Councillor Redfern, who isn't here. However, Councillor Felton will say a few words on her behalf. 
I beg your pardon. Councillor Felton. Thank you. Um, obviously, hopefully you've had time to fully read the report, but it really is a great success story for how we are achieving and exceeding um, the goals that we've got for our housing um, strategy. Um, one of the major success stories is um, Reynolds Court that obviously we probably saw in all the advertising out there with Kemi last Friday and the feedback we've had is absolutely phenomenal and it's something this council should be extremely proud of. Um, there are lots more in the report and I hope you do take time um, to read it but looking forward to the future we have now gained planning permission for two further sites um, one of those sites is in Franbury Lane in Newport and one in Newton Grove in Great Dunmo so there is more good news stories to um, be appearing any questions please feel free to ask thank you Councillor Dean May I, may I just respond, uh, first of all, to say I do also remember David Westcott, um, a great gentleman. He was a member of the Conservative Party, but we got on extremely well, and he was always very tolerant and understanding of all members of the Council. Uh, he sadly missed. I'd just like to um, say I was greatly impressed by my visit to the opening of um, Reynolds Court a week last Friday. Um, I almost put my name down before I left. Um, so uh, congratulations to all who participated in bringing it about. Thank you. Um, Councillor Ranger. Thank you. For those members that missed my earlier announcement, my report is in the pack. I um, hope you've read it. Three quick updates. Um, I've had uh, very productive meetings recently with West Essex CCG and um, it's heartfelt that plans are being put forward for improvement to primary care facilities across the district and more details will follow. Um, I'm attending a briefing on the 23rd of this month um, at HOSC in Chelmsford where we will be discussing the plans Pan-Essex for dealing with the winter pressures that will inevitably arise. And finally, um, your Chief Executive will be signing the Time to Change Pledge in Dunmo on Wednesday. Thank you. Thank you. And finally, Councillor Viles. Thank you, Chairman. Um, just wanted to touch it. The report is here. As everybody is, uh, we want to keep this uh, going quite quickly. Uh, interesting bits particularly are the um, uh, business improvement district, uh, which has gone very well. Um, and I, I just want to correct something in here that I will be doing a non not a director. Um, we're looking at replacing the car parking machines. They don't at the moment give accurate data to, uh, and as you know, particularly for Saffron Walden and uh, Stansted and Dunmo, um, they are key uh, routes, conduits to getting people in and out for business. So we're particularly keen to make sure that they are uh, fit for purpose. Broadband is very exciting. We expect to be covering the whole of the district by the end of 2019 uh, by approximately over 99% over of homes and businesses. This is part of GigaClear's um, working with Superfast Essex, but also uh, their commercial build, which they fund themselves. So that's uh, pretty good. And finally, the two points I would like to talk about is the business breakfast. Um, if you know of businesses that uh, would like to come along to that, that's in November. Um, we find that's an excellent forum for feedback from businesses, what they want from our council to try and support them. Um, 
and of course the Business Awards again, which was a fantastic evening, just like the Oscars, only local, um, and uh, a, a great place for businesses to showcase how good they are. And we should be proud of the businesses we have operating in us. They do an incredible job. Anyway, enough of me. Thank you very much. Thank you. Are there any further questions for the members of the executive? Councillor Dean? I beg your pardon. Can I just clarify, Chairman? Is item five in addition? But we, we kind of seem to have it yeah. well, broken think, up now. Yes, but anyway, I have a question. You have a question. <laughs> May I, may I, yep. All right, I'll put mine now. Yeah, I, I, I see we've got um, a different layout of agenda, so it was a bit confusing as whether one ought to put one's question as we go through or wait till item five. That might perhaps needs to be thought about for next time. Um, th there was um, a discussion at our scrutiny a couple of weeks ago about the Council's investment strategy. That's, if you will, looking after itself, but the, the following Sunday there was a, an article in one of the national newspapers written by a Mr. Jeremy Ferrar, who is the director of the um, Wellcome Trust at Hingston. The basis of the article was about um, Brexit and the impact on, or potential impact, on the sciences industries in this area. Um, he, he talked about the fact that Wellcome had, I think, been in that location for about 80 years. Uh, but he, he ended up by saying that their commitment was, was not unconditional. In other words, he was saying that if things go certain ways, then they might up sticks or have to shut down or whatever. Um, now, I noticed in the last few days that uh, there is a a local political party that's put out a statement on that line, a party that's not represented here, I might say. Um, so really my question is, how is either the council or Aspire going to handle what might, even in tomorrow's newspapers, be uh, unwelcome news in a, in a level-headed way rather than a sensational way? Uh, Madam Chairman, fellow councillors, I'll be honest, I'm very disappointed this has been raised particularly in this manner. Um, we deliberately chose to establish a governance structure when we undertook the investments of, in Aspire CRP and Chesterford Research Park to ensure that the commercial activities that we undertake as a council are managed at arm's length. We did that very deliberately to avoid, to avoid issues like this where we seek to make cheap political points, where we avoid making opportunities or having opportunities to grandstand. We deliber deliberately established it, so there were five directors, three officers, two non-executive directors. There are no councillors on the board of Aspire CRP for a very good reason, because I could anticipate that we would have issues like this arising, where people will want to score points, about issues that are not directly related to the day-to-day -day management of our role or our role as shareholders. Councillor Dean is absolutely right. There is an avenue to debate this and discuss it. He, as chairman of scrutiny on the 25th of September, took the opportunity to debate this issue at considerable length. Uh, Governance and Audit Performance Committee on the 27th of September also debated it at some length. 
Um, the prospective chairman, or chair rather, of Aspire CRP attended. I thought there was a very productive discussion at both meetings, and the points made by Councillor Dean were aired at that time. Two directors were in attendance at the scrutiny meeting. Three directors were in attendance at the Governor's Ordinate Performance Committee. I've seen correspondence that indicates that they've quite clearly taken on board the issues that, we, that were raised at those meetings, and they will be discussing them at the next board on the 22nd of November. But it is quite wrong for us as a council to be grandstanding on particular issues. Um, there is a process that we established where the directors will be looking at the risks that address any of our investments. That's the first issue. The second issue, you're right, is a quite disgraceful press release. I'm not going to be speaking specifically to the contents. It's been a generation since anyone from that party has sat in this chamber. Um, so clearly it's come from somebody who's unelected and self-appointed, but it contains considerable amount of speculation and opinion which is treated as fact. Um, the businesses of the estate employ hundreds of people in this district. They, are, they generate millions of pounds for our local economy, and it is quite, quite wrong for us as councillors, whether we like it or not, to be speculating about the financial position of anybody with any business within this district, particularly if we don't have any facts to back up these statements. So I really do feel that it is quite wrong for us as councillors to be questioning the financial position of any employer in this area. It is in particularly wrong for the landlord to be questioning in public the financial position. I think it's quite unprecedented. We need to remind ourselves that we compete with five other science parks. They will not be talking down the value of their investment. We are competing with hundreds of other businesses that run commercial centres. They will not be talking down their business. We want to attract people to our business park and speculation like this at full council is not helpful. There are avenues for us to be doing this through scrutiny, through governance, audit and performance and through the role of the directors of Aspire CRP. What I can tell you is that we undertook the investment for a very good reason. We suffered a £2.5 million shortfall in our funding over the last three years from central government. In our first year of investment, Aspire has returned us a return of £2 million, filling that gap. Without that, we would be considering very serious cuts to our services. My report to you on page 26, I think, refers specifically to the fact that performance is very much in line with expectations. Indeed, it's slightly ahead of where it was at the same period last year. So I think the directors of CRP are very well aware of the issues that were raised at scrutiny and at governance, audit and performance. They will be taking it away. It's quite wrong for us to be referring to uninformed opinion from another political party that is not represented in this council. There is an avenue for us to be addressing these points and it is not here. Well, Chairman, I really must come back because you know, that, that was a far too defensive response. It was, it was a straightforward question. You know, it is a matter of public interest. It is a matter that is, is in the public press and, and, and we should deal with it in a level-headed way. I'm, I'm not making any accusations. I'm just re relaying what is being talked about, you know, about the uncertainty um, amongst the science parks in the area. So I would have thought that a, a level-headed response which w 
would have said, well, we're doing a risk analysis or whatever, would be fine, but not one where you know, defensive responses suggest that there's something to hide. I have no idea now. I'm, I'm really disappointed. Thank you. Um, I don't really want this to turn into a debate, but did you want to respond, Councillor Howell? The specific question is how are councillors or aspire seeking to address these points? And I thought that I addressed those, not in a defensive way, by saying that these points were raised at scrutiny and debated on the 25th of September, at governance audits and performance on the 27th of, November, of September, that directors of Aspire CRP were in attendance at all of those meetings. They have confirmed that they will be considering these matters on the 22nd of November at their last board meeting. They also confirmed, in, in response to your specific questions about uh, risk uh, reports, that there is a risk schedule which is prepared for Aspire and they will ensure that, it is, that consideration is taken of this particular issue. But I don't think it's a defensive response. It's a pure statement of fact, and this is the wrong place for us to be raising these issues. There are other avenues for us to be debating these things. Thank you. Uh, Councillor Stell. Thank you, Madam Chairman. My question is to Councillor Rolf. I'm sure, uh, like me, he deplores the recent ram raids we've had in the district. There has been a suggestion, I understand, for group leaders and their MP to meet with the police. I'd like to suggest something a little bit more radical. And what I'd like to see is what Broadland District Council in Norfolk did last month, where they invited their three police officers to give a presentation on crime profile overview to the whole council and members were able to ask questions of the police officers and therefore my view is this would give some degree of transparency it's not something that we've done uh, I think recently and as such as the public interest in crime I think it would be a good thing to do just lastly I don't think the officers will be saying quite the same as they said to uh, Broadland Council when they, in their report they said uh, work continued on the broad's beat to encourage safe use of boats, particularly by stag and hen parties. Thank you, Chairman. Uh, I think that's an excellent idea. Uh, I indicated that we were meeting Chief Inspector Rawlinson on Friday. We'll put it to her. Um, and whether it's her or uh, but it needs to be a senior officer and I think it needs to be an operational officer uh, the Police, Fire and Crime Commissioner has got a public meeting as I indicated in November um, and that is a, that's a slightly different you're talking about operational police so um, yeah we'll set that up that's, I think that's a good idea uh, Councillor Light Thank you, Chair. My question is to the Leader of the Council, Councillor Rolfe. Could you please give us some details on the bid that's being prepared for the support package for the garden communities? Thank you. Could, do you want to just elaborate that a little bit? Because obviously um, we, we, we are working up um, how the garden communities will be delivered, but I need, need to understand exactly the question you're asking. Yes, we'd like, to, uh, like you to let us know how, well, how much you are actually applying for, what is the intention, and what the likelihood of actually oh, I see. gaining I, this. I, uh, the physical bid. Okay, sure. Yes. I think I'll have to refer to officers, but uh, yeah, no, that's, uh, there, is a, there is a figure for that, so we can answer that question. Sorry, I misunderstood you. 
Uh, so, members, we don't actually have a figure yet. We're working on the bid, uh, and uh, uh, the Director of Public Services met with Homes England and other government officials on Monday, and we are hosting a visit by Homes England a week on Friday, which I think is the... 12th of October, but I might have got that wrong, but a week on Friday, 19th, so, um, so we're working with them uh, and seeking their guidance. We will be looking to explore uh, whether we can, uh, how we can get funding to increase the capacity of the organisation to uh, deliver the uh, two work to deliver it, not to physically deliver it, uh, but also to uh, secure funding uh, to explore feasibility studies uh, around some of the uh, opportunities that we see we, that we've got. So we're exploring a wide range uh, for the bidding. Uh, we understood uh, that, we, that this is, they're looking for uh, opportunity to in, invest over more than one year, so it might be a program of, of uh, funding over a significant period of time, possibly five years. So this, this was an early briefing that we had on Monday, as I say. Uh, we're happy to put in members' local plan uh, update message on Friday, some more detail, and then after we've met Homes England a week on Friday, we'll of course keep you updated. You'll be aware that the deadline for submission is not until uh, middle of November, so we've got time, but we're actively working on the, on the range of the bid already. Okay, if there are no further questions, we'll move on to item six, which is matters referred from the executive and the council's committees. There are none. Um, item seven, matters received about joint arrangements and external organisations. There are none. So we move on to item eight, which is an address from the members of the youth council. Um, I understand they're going to update us on their progress and tell us about their forthcoming plans. So. Um, if I can ask Councillors Walter and Councillor Burbeck if they'd like to come forward and address us. You can, well, you can either go here or you can wherever you, where you feel more comfortable. Um, hello. My name is Millicent Walter and I am the Chair of the Arthur Youth Council and I just want to talk to you about our current projects and our future plans. We are holding a seminar on the 1st of December to engage young people in the housing process and debate. This will incorporate young people from across the area and have input from Gordon Glenday, Nigel Brown and Simon Payne. We will be polling questions on the day and hope to report back on the general consensus of young people on this very crucial topic. The Youth Council is also looking at its constitution and will be working with Simon Pugh and the Democratic Services to make amendments that we propose for adoption at a future council meeting. We are also holding elections this month in schools across the district to increase the number of youth councillors in our committee. We have redesigned our election process and are looking forward to our new councillors and hoping they will take an active role in shaping our future. Next year we are planning to start working on plastics, mental health, school links and providing green spaces to young people. Thank you very much. I don't know if you, you're welcome to stay for the rest of the meeting, but obviously if you'd like to go, please feel free to go. Right, 
thank you very much. Um, we'll move on to item nine, uh, which is a report from the Public Engagement Working Group. Um, could I ask Councillor Lemon to... Thank you, Chair. <coughs> the Public Engagement Working Group has spent time discussing engagement methods that the Council currently uses, and I was amazed at the quality and the amount of good public relations that the Council has already accomplished. Following our discussions, the working group have identified areas where improvements can be made. This report sets out those areas where it believes the Council should focus its efforts to better engage with the public. The working group has endorsed these actions at its most recent meeting and then the report is for members' information. I will not go through the report, but some key points were um, member training, participation at meetings, members' surgeries, improvements in our digital setup, and improvements in our website, and some of these are already being done, and citizens' access. I just ask the Council to accept this report. Thank you. Thank you. Um, no further questions on that. Um, we'll move on then to item 10, which is the addendum of focus changes to the local plan, Regulation 19, pre submission document. Um, we had two speakers earlier. I'm going to ask the officers now if they would like to summarise and address us on those points. <coughs> Thank you, Chair. Um, there is likely to be some overlap between this presentation and, and the introduction that Councillor Barker uh, will give to the item, so apologies for that, but uh, better to hear it twice. Um, so, yes, uh, this presentation will cover the following topics. Uh, first, the addendum of focus changes, what it is, why uh, you're asking you're being asked to consider it. Um, we'll then have a short update on the new household protections and the evidence base updates that are published alongside the report this evening. Uh, in, in giving this presentation, I'll attempt to answer all the questions um, from the speakers earlier. And if I don't do that in the presentation, I'll wrap that up at the end. So, um, the addendum of focus changes uh, reflects the elevated level of risk around the, the west of Braintree garden community. It also sets out um, that the site in, on the Uttlesford side of the border is only deliverable as part of a larger cross-boundary site. It also sets out what the council will do if the site turns out not to be deliverable at some point in the future and at that point in the future, that impacts on our ability to meet our housing requirement. And, and what it proposes we'll do is to uh, conduct an early review of the local plan. The addendum does not remove the site from the local plan. It is, uh, if it did do that, then we would have to seek to allocate alternative sites to meet that housing 
uh, housing requirement. Um, as the uh, speaker mentioned earlier, um, we have gone through an exhaustive process in going through our, our selection of sites for the local plan. Um, and in coming through that process, we got to the sites that we had for the Regulation 19 local plan. If we wanted to go back over that process again, then the option is there to do it, but the time is, is not uh, um, minutes or, or... Oh, no, sorry, that was the other, that was the other speaker. Um, it is not something that can be done quickly. It has to be a, um, a transparent and fair process. We, are, we would be looking at um, sites being promoted by, um, by uh, promoters or individuals, and we, and we had to have to be transparent and fair in doing that process. It would take a, a considerable amount of time. Um, okay. Why are we considering this? We are considering this because the examination into the North Essex Authority's local plans, um, the, the inspector in, in that examination was not convinced about the deliverability of the garden communities, including West of Braintree, um, and has asked the, uh, those authorities to go away and consider uh, three options. Uh, Braintree has, has come back and said that they are proceeding with the option two, which is to go away and look at uh, um, getting the evidence to satisfy the inspector's concerns. We have had legal advice that we need to reflect this um, elevated level of risk within the local plan and, as I said, set out what we'll do if, uh, if it turns out that, that, that Western Braintree is not deliverable. Other changes in the, um, in the plan are um, the plan includes a new appendix setting out the strategic policies for the purposes of neighbourhood planning. In determining that, we have assessed the policies in the plan against the guidance in the National Planning Policy Framework and the National Planning Policy Guidance. Um, and it also clarifies how development that impacts on internationally protected sites such as Epping Forest Special Area of Conservation uh, will be assessed. Uh, now I'd like to turn to the 2016 based household predictions that were published last month which indicate uh, household growth of 1, 000, around 1,400 lower in the local plan period as compared to the 2014 based projections which are the project, those previous projections are those that inform the uh, draft local plan. If we wanted to take into account these new projections, then we would need to uh, commission consultants such as ORS, who are the uh, ones who did the Kamishma, or Peter Brett, or, or others, to undertake this work. We would need to commission that work in partnership with our Schmar partners, um, we would then uh, need to consider that. We would need to reflect that any changes in the local plan. So if in doing that we sought to reduce the number of sites in the plan to meet a lower housing requirement, then again we would have to do that in a fair and transparent 
way we would be uh, making decisions that influence people's interests. We would then have to hold a six-week representation period on that local plan and then submit it before the 24th of January, on or before the 24th of January, to the government, to the Secretary of State. Uh, we do not think that we have time to do this. Um, it is a, you've all been involved in the, um, the process on the local plan so far, and it is um, not quick. Um, if we submit, after, if we do all this work and submit after the 24th of January, then the standardised methodology as applied to the new 2016 base household projections result in a housing requirement of 13,900 homes, which is around the same housing requirement that's in the current local plan. However, the government has said that they will consider reviewing the standardised methodology if the uh, new household projections result in a lower figure, which they have done. Um, sorry, that's a little bit complicated, but basically we don't have enough time to do the work and submit before the 24th of January. Uh, and we've had legal advice on, on that as well. Uh, the other evidence base updates... Um, that are published with the report are the Spatial Strategy Background Paper, which pulls together information to explain the approach to the strategy in the local plan. And the other is the review of employment policies. This review does suggest changes to the plan. However, officers are not recommending changes as a result of those recommendations as, they don't, as we consider they don't go to the soundness of the plan and would dilute the focus of the document. And just the next steps, should the addendum of focus changes be agreed tonight, we'll be going out to a representation period ending 27th of November. We'll then submit to the Secretary of State in January and we're then in the hands of the Planning Inspectorate, but we anticipate hearing sessions commencing in the spring, an inspector's report received in autumn and adoption of the plan by the end of next year. That is if all things go well. Let me just... Double check my notes to make sure I answered all the points. Um, the first speaker mentioned that a pause um, at the time the Regulation 19 local plan was being considered could have fixed this and allowed for um, um, oh, allowed for it to be fixed at that point in time. The, the council, I'd like to remind the council that they made the decision on the advice before them at that point in time, which was um, the first letter from the North Essex authorities had, inspector had been published on the 15th of June, four days following, four days prior to the full council meeting. Um, at that point in time, officers from Braintree District Council were advising us that they would be going for, for option two of the inspector's three options that option they did end up going for. The new information that was published has influenced this uh, decision to go out uh, with an addendum relates to the third letter of the North Essex Authorities Inspector that published on the 8th of August, on or around the 8th of August, 6th of August, 2nd of August, apologies, thank you. Um, and um, in which he set out more detail on, on the options that he was putting before the councils. Uh, find other sites. I think I've addressed finding other sites. 
is the five-year housing land supply. Um, papers that, that went to PWG last week set out the Council's five-year housing land supply position, which are that under, for development management purposes, we do not have a five-year housing land supply. Um, we have around three and a half, I think it's slightly under. If you don't take into account the draft allocations in the local plan, you have around four and a half. If you do take into account the draft allocations in the local plan, however, under the uh, calculation in the local plan, you have 5.1 years. This is a reduction from the 5.85 years uh, back at full council on the 19th of, of June. Um, but it's still five years under the new uh, local plan. Uh, the uh, the five-year housing land supply calculation in the local plan cannot be used for development management purposes, however, because the local plan is still to be examined. The primary difference between the five-year housing land supply calculation in the local plan and that used for development management purposes with the allocations in the draft local plan is the stepped trajectory in the local plan. I feel I might have lost some people there. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I can come back to it with any... Uh, 20 questions on that. Do the numbers again. Terribly sorry. Thank you very much for pointing that out, sir. Um, please, could you just do the numbers again? I started writing them down and got a little bit lost. Thank you. Yes, the, the numbers again. So it, I'm, I'm doing them off the top of my head, so they're rough. Three and a half years um, without the draft allocations in the local plan. Four and a half years with the draft allocations in the local plan both of those for development management purposes, 5.1 with the local plan. Uh, and uh, the final point the first speaker made was on the DPD uh, determining the delivery model. Um, at this point in time, the council officers are not advising um, any particular model is used for the delivery of the garden communities. Um, there's a separate process going on around that and that still has to conclude. Um, turning to the second speaker's points. Um, not necessary to include the communal establishments in the overall housing figure uh, with the example given that at East Hearts they did not. It's correct that East Hertfordshire they did not include the communal establishments within the overall um, figure. However, they did have a separate target for communal establishments in, in, in another policy in the plan, which you then have to ensure you have a supply to meet that, or uh, yes, a supply to meet that second requirement. Um, we're not advising that as we don't have uh, identified supply to, um, to meet that requirement at this point in time, and so it's being rolled into the overall figure. Um, on the point that the most up-to-date um, household projections should be used um, I mean yes this is correct as I've explained we don't have time to take them into account and uh, again we've had legal advice on, on this point uh, if they were a higher requirement then that is something that we would have to think about taking into account how, how we do that in the time I'm not sure but as it's a lower requirement it's not something we have to take into account in the local plan uh, 
and uh, regarding the point it being in, this was the point it being done in minutes it, it, it is not something that we think can be done in minutes it is something that would take a considerable amount of time in coordination with our partners which would then have to be incorporated into the local plan in a fair and transparent manner I think I've covered all the points Right. Thank you. Before I, before I open up the debate, I'm going to ask Councillor Barker to present the report and the recommendation, and then we'll debate. Thank you, Chairman. Um, thank you, Mr. Mars, for your very comprehensive report there. Um, the report before you this evening recommends an addendum of focused changes to the Regulation 19 Local Plan. The Council has received legal advice on this um, to support these changes as necessary to ensure we have a sound local plan. If we do not go along with this addendum, we could leave ourselves open to judicial <coughs> review. Several other planning authorities have gone down that route and it's not something we want to do. The addendum contains, contains changes to the plan covering three different issues. These are covered under paragraph 9 of the report. Uh, the first of these reflects the elevated level of risk around the delivery of West Braintree Garden Community following the letters from the inspector at the North Essex authorities and setting out what measures the council will take if there are delivery issues around this site. It sets out the strategic policies for the purposes of neighbourhood planning and provides further detail on the policy protection of European protected sites. At West of Braintree, the report recommends that the plan be amended to reflect the elevated level of risk around the delivery of the site. We are not recommending removing the site from the plan and allocating alternative sites in its place. As Mr Miles has explained, if we wanted to do that, we would go be a long way back and it would take a long time to move this plan forward again. It is still considered a sustainable location for major development with a reasonable prospect of delivery on the site. It's also being recommended that if at a point in the future it becomes apparent that West of Braintree is significantly delayed, delayed sorry, or is not deliverable and that that restricts the council's ability to meet its housing requirements, then we will undertake an early review of the local plan. The addendum with the draft changes can be found at page 47. A paper was circulated on Friday prior to this meeting with an additional amendment to SP5, including reference to developers entering into a quality and collaborative partnership this, if there is a privately-led arrangement. This replaces focus change 4 within the addendum. To clarify, a quality and collaboration partnership is a bespoke arrangement tailored to the circumstances of a specific garden community. It is a document that sets out and coordinates commitments made by a master developer and in this case, the district and county councils. It is essentially a framework document and will cover a range of matters which could include high-quality design, delivery commitments, community participation and stewardship. It is therefore an important tool that can be applied to achieve our quality objectives for the new communities. In addition to the addendum of focus changes, the report also notes the publication of two updates to the evidence base. Firstly, an update to the spatial strategy background paper to build upon the document that was published in June, and secondly, a review of the employment policies. Mr. Miles has explained the impact of changing our numbers to reflect new household projections, but as the report explains, there is not enough time to incorporate these projections into an updated SMAR and amend the local plan, and to go out on another Regulation 19 representation and to submit the plan on or before the government's deadline of the 24th of January, after which we'd go up to numbers that we're already at. 
Um, I think we have recommendations two to seven. I'm not going to read them out now. We can read them out when we go to the vote. But please, members, remember that we are doing the best we can to provide a sound plan. The inspector will not accept our plan in any shape or form 100%. No inspector accepts a plan 100%. If the inspector decides that North Uttlesford Garden Union or Western Braintree is not deliverable, he will take them out and he will allocate different sites. And we will then have to go back out to a consultation on those amendments. It will not be 100% perfect. No plan ever is. The purpose of this amendment tonight, this addendum tonight, is to make sure as far as we can that we, risk, that we avoid the risk of a JR and that the, sound, the plan is found signed by the inspector. And happy to answer any questions. Thank you. Right, thank you. Does that recommendation find a seconder? Councillor Wolfe. Right, um, I had Councillor Freeman first, then Councillor Hargreaves. Yes, thank you, Madam Chairman. Um, the has been clarified to some extent already because the agenda says to consider the addendum. Now, consider is a wonderful English word. You can use it for all sorts of purposes, but it's been clear that we're going to vote on this. So there's two questions, two points I would like to make, Madam Chairman. One is that uh, we should perhaps take these recommendations one at a time rather than vote upon them en masse. I think we should vote upon them individually. They're, they're important. They're very different each to the other. It's important that we give them the space that they deserve. And in particular, Madam Chairman, I'm concerned about, on page 48 of the copy, uh, recommendation number six, uh, the Director of the Public Services in consultation with the Environmental Services Portfolio Holder. I presume the Director of Public Services is uh, this gentleman here. That's good. Excellent. Um, uh, be authorised to submit a schedule of proposed main modifications to submitted local plan to address any issues relating to soundness and legal compliance identified by the local plan inspector. Now, I understand what this, I think I understand uh, what this is about. It's a very substantial addendum. I don't pretend to have read it all. I've had a go at it. Um, it's, it's obviously a substantial amount of work, um, and hopefully it will do the business. Uh, but item 6 does seem to give uh, carte blanche to a couple of individuals to make substantial changes without further reference to councillors and therefore without further reference to the democratic process. Now, I have no desire to slow up the process. I realise that we're pushed for time on this. But I think we should incorporate in item 6 some aspects uh, which protects the democratic principles of this council. Thank you, Madam Chairman. Councillor Hargreaves and then Councillor Light. Thank you, Chair. Um, if, assuming the plan goes ahead and then we find that west of Braintree, for whatever reason, is not going anywhere, doesn't fly, and we've then got to recut the numbers. Now, we're fairly certain that the um, government's housing number requirement is going to come down. We're ignoring that for the minute. Uh, I've also seen no convincing arguments to why the 500 care home rooms, which are in a different um, planning category to houses, why they should be in there. Um, rather than at that stage, if we've got to do a recut, rather than saying we will start looking for more sites, which opens up a whole new consultation, more argument, more delay, more everything, should we not be saying we will first go with 
the numbers, the housing numbers as they will be at that point, where we're required to use the most recent figures. If the government's figures have come down, let's say we get a thousand or something out of that, if we took these care home numbers out, 500 took that out, it could well be we could be in a position of saying, okay, Western Braintree isn't working, but we can carry on by reassessing the numbers rather than the turmoil of going back to every settlement that are all going to argue over it. We don't want any more houses dotted around. Thank you. Thank you, Councillor Light. Thank you, Chair. Chair and councillors, let's be quite clear that this item on the agenda shows the continuing lack of sufficient evidence on which the local plan is based. Last June, we proposed that the local plan be deferred in order to get the evidence right and to resolve the outstanding issues. Many issues have not been resolved and strategies are still missing. And I quote loosely from the amendment we proposed in June, which was to defer the Reg 19 plan in order to rectify its shortcomings. For example, the lack of financial plan, proper consideration of Stansted Airport, workable transfer plan, sports strategy, assessment of housing, etc. We want a plan that works, but it has to be properly developed and fit for purpose. We should not really be working with amendments, addenda, reviews, we need a plan that functions now that is properly based. Let's get it right and let's not succumb to project fear of January the 24th. Thank you. Councillor Gerard. Thank you, Madam Chairman. Um, first, if I may first thank our Chief Executive for her regular local plan matters uh, emails. I, I, don't, I try to go to PPWG, don't often make it, so it's very helpful. Um, what I'd like to just have a chat about, uh, if I may, and, and maybe the officers can help, it's the issue of risk versus timetable. And it seems to be an, an sort of underline, underlines everything that we're debating, is the issue of the relative risks of getting in before the 24th of January or not, the risks of getting things done transparently and fairly or not, and I just want to, I think, it's, I think we deserve to debate the issue of risk. I mean, I don't know who has analysed the risk. I don't know the actuary um, amongst the officers that has done that or if we've employed an actuary to do that. But we have risks of um, unrestrained development. We have risks of things happening without a local plan. But we also have risks of rushing into something that is not done right for the sake of a timetable that the, that the government figures show us that actually if we miss the timetable and we incorporate some of the smarter ideas of removing things like 500 uh, care, uh, um, um, you know, care homes and other numbers, we may actually not have, that risk may not be so bad. So I'd just like to understand who decided, who voted January the 24th was the holy grail of our priority list. Thank you. Um, well, I don't know if Councillor Barker did you um, want to respond. Thank you, Chairman. I think most of these are comments, but I, I do want to answer Councillor Freeman's um, query about item six. Um, this is a long way down the line, Councillor Freeman. This is after the inspector has sat, after he's come back with his initial report. I'm quite 
you know, I'm quite happy to add a sentence like and report these to council for debate, but they will be the inspector's modifications. And what the inspector says goes. They will be in the public domain. He will issue it, just like he did with East Hearts and said, you will build a bypass right Hartford. And if you want to get your plan through, you've got to accept his amendments. So this, this is next August, next September. And whoever's standing here next September, you know, I'm sure will be questioned about those amendments and how they're managing them and how we're going to do them, how we're going to finance them. He could say, I've got a triple lane in the A120. You know, well, there you go, Shreda sat out, but, you know, we'll build a bypass around Newport. We don't know what the inspector's going to say because every inspector is an individual and he will have his views on this plan. So this paragraph six refers to something that's going to happen next June, July, August, whenever the inspector comes back with his report. We will have to then consult on those amendments and then bring the, council, bring the plan back to council for adoption. So it's a long way down the line. You know, you won't need to... I'm not doing anything magic here, or whoever's in this place is not doing anything magic. It, it's just the process that has to happen. And, and this is exactly the same paragraph that was brought to this council in June. So, you know, I, I, I'm happy to report the issues back to council, but it will come back to council. Thank you. Okay, well, there are no further questions. It has been proposed... Oh, Councillor Wolf, did you? Uh, okay. Councillor Gerard. I'm so sorry, Madam Chairman. I just wonder if someone could ask, answer my questions. Um, yes. So, um, we haven't voted for Jan 24th. That's come out of the National Planning Policy Framework version 2, which you will have seen published. Um, which then reverts to a new arithmetic, which, as you know, comes back coincidentally to 13,900. You can do the math for yourself, as, 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 as you know. Um, so I think we just all understand that we can't go through the process in the time before Jan the 24th and have proper consultation. So we are, we are where we are. And I just don't get, Councillor Light, this, this desire for a delay what further evidence do you need? We have had a very comprehensive study, particularly of the other two garden communities. Uh, the, the evidence is, is, is significant. So I, I just don't get what a further delay is going to do, apart from spend yet more money for this council uh, and, 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 and have yet more unwarranted development uh, put upon us because we haven't got a plan and we haven't got a five-year land supply. Uh, a lot of consideration has gone into our local plan. I think um, certainly for the other two settlements, it has reached a level of maturity that visiting inspectors find, and we've had four of them, find a, a strong degree of satisfaction with. We are very close to the point now where we just need to present that. Clearly what happened in North uh, Essex uh, is a complication for us. And I take your point, Councillor Merrifield, but the point I was trying to make was that the inspector was looking at three garden communities in North Essex, so it's difficult to prescribe in terms of the individual points to which, which of those developments, and some are more complicated than others. But he has passed a comment. We've taken legal advice because the inspector got progressively firmer in his letters until the letter of August the 2nd, where he was very clear about what he wanted. Essex, uh, Braintree District Council, uh, at a meeting last night actually, uh, are determined to go back and get that extra evidence. Time will tell. 
we've taken the legal advice, we're following every step of the way legal advice, and the legal advice is do the addendum and then you can come back dependent on the outcome. And to me, that is a very sensible piece of advice that we proceed uh, based on the strong evidence that we've got uh, for the other two. So I very much urge Council not to delay any further, to take the very expert advice uh, that we've received in terms of the next stage of the process and to sign off the addendum. Thank you. Councillor Fairhurst. Thank you, Madam Chairman. I think it's going to work. Um, I'd like to answer the question. The question is, why the delay? Well, the question was raised in June, and the same answer was, why the delay? Well, here's the delay. You see, the addendum is really a Band-Aid, and we all like Band-Aids, except they have one problem. When they come off, this pain. The problem here is this. We said at the time, because we had some crystal ball, that the West of Braintree was a problem and it was one of our three big points of our plan. I'm going to keep it very simple. We said it's a problem we've discovered three days earlier. But instead of saying, hold it a moment, let's just hold it, let's hold it for a couple of weeks, a couple of months, and get it right, let's just push on regarded. And now we find ourselves in October needing a Band-Aid. That's what the delay is all about. I still don't see a sports strategy or an air quality strategy. I still don't see a proper transport assessment. I don't see a number of things that are there. We've been told they're coming, which is really good. But we're going to rush ahead and despite that. So the risk is this. If we don't make the 24th of January, we're going to be stuck with 13,900 houses. We're already on 14, so I'm not worried about that so much. The real risk, in fact, is that we don't delay. We push on as we've been doing since, so 2008, and we keep on being rejected as we were in 2014, and we stand without a plan of any kind. We have no defences against developers. That's the whole point we're here for. So I'm not saying delay it indefinitely. I'm saying let's just get it right. Let's stop putting band-aids on the issue, addendums, and keep on addressing addendums, and allowing, in fact, people, two or three people, to make major modifications just to make sure the inspector... You know, if the question is, and I was told, I completely believe this, that this is not an issue. This is only an issue in a year's time. Well, if it is, why are we sitting here discussing it now? That sounds like rushing to me. Councillor Dean. I will uh, support the proposals. The reason is that this is just a, a minor change to wording to protect the plan against us getting a bog-standard housing estate to the east of Stebbing, which nobody wants. So what we're saying is we're not prepared to put up with a bog-standard uh, housing estate to the east of Stebbing, if it goes ahead, it's got to go ahead as a proper garden community and we're all working jolly hard to make sure that we've defined what we mean and that we tell the potential developers that, it, that that's what we insist upon. We could have delayed in June. We had that debate in June. You know, there's no, as is obvious tonight, there is no such thing as a perfect plan that will never get tweaked. Councillor Bulk has made that point that no doubt there will be something come back from the eventual inspection. So this is not a case of delaying because it's obvious that some another two weeks work needs to be done. It will be a perf perfect plan. It will be up for inspection and there will be changes. So we must continue on the tra trajectory that we set back in June and put this minor tweak in because all it is, as I see it, is a legal protection to ensure that we don't 
back ourselves into a, into a corner unnecessarily. And there's nothing more than that. There's no substantial change to the plan at all. And I, propose, I should really recommend that all members support the proposal. Councillor Roberts. Thank you, Madam Chairman. Madam, Madam Chairman, I wasn't going to say anything this evening, but uh, as you are all aware, I'm very much against the local plan. But there is a but. Uh, this is the second or third or fourth time that I've done a local plan, and this has dragged on and on and on. We have done, or the Council have done, everything they can to consult as much as possible, ask questions, answer questions from the officers and the members. We have been through an absolutely thorough examination of what we can do. It will never be perfect, but I think now is the time when it needs to be submitted to the inspector, when the inspector, he or she, will make up their mind whether it's sound, whether it's right, whether they need to change it. We still have the opportunity, as I'm fighting for my own patch, and I will continue to do so, and the leader knows that, but we still have time to actually fight our own corners where it is necessary, but it is time for it to go to the inspector. He or she will decide whether it's right and proper, and as the leader has just said, or the deputy leader has just said, no plan is, is 100%, never gets left as it is, and we shall have to wait and see what happens when they put their report before the Council. I propose that we now put the vote, Madam Chairman. Right, oh, sorry, Count, Councillor Ranger. Could I request a recorded vote, please, Chairman? <laughs> Councillor Freeman. Madam Chairman, uh, I did ask that we deal with these as individual votes. Is that possible? Well, I don't think so. We took these uh, in one block in June, and they are just amendments to that, so I think we'll just take them in one block. Uh, Councillor Light. Thank you, Chair. I was going to uh, propose the same, that they should be taken separately because they are quite markedly different. Thank you. Well, as I said, they are consequential to what, we, what we've already voted on in June, so I will just take them in one block. So um, if there are no other points to be raised, I will ask to put the recommendation. All those in favour, and we want a recorded vote. Um, thank you, Chairman, for taking them all as um, one item. Um, as we said, you know, back, back in June, um, we did take these all as one item. And the, the other thing I, I want to sort of stress as well, that if we did go back, um, we don't know what numbers it might be. You know, the government has said, if we don't get used to 300,000 houses, it could be anything. So at least if we move forwards now, we've got a line in the sound, we've got something to work towards. And, you know, reiterating what Councillor Chambers said, no plan will survive the inspector. They will make changes. So, Chairman, I, I would urge people to support um, recommendations two to seven so that we can move forward on this matter. Thank you. Right, thank you. Um, a recorded rec um, vote has been requested, so I'll ask the legal officer to deal with that. Well, I shall read out the latest accounts of this. So, apologies if I read out the name of somebody who is uh, absent. Um, Councillor Ranger. 
Um, starting, and I'd ask you to say whether you're voting for, voting against, or abstaining. Uh, first of all, count. Sorry, the microphone. Oh, fair enough. You mean councillors should say yes. on the microphone. Please, if you would do that as well then. And, and also switch your microphones off once you've uh, voted. Uh, Councillor Artis is left the, left the room. Councillor Asker. Abstain. Councillor G. Barker. For. Councillor S. Barker. For. Councillor Chambers. For. Councillor Davy. For. Councillor Davies. For. Councillor Dean. For. Councillor Fairhurst. Against. Councillor Farthing. For. Councillor Felton. For. Councillor Foley. Against. Councillor R. Freeman. For. Councillor Gerard. Against. Councillor Goddard. For. Councillor Gordon. For. Councillor Hargreaves. For. Councillor Hicks. For. Councillor Howell. For. <coughs> Councillor Jones. For. Councillor LeCount. For. Councillor Lees. For. Councillor Lemon. For. Councillor Light. Against. Councillor Mills. For. Councillor Morris. Abstain. Councillor Oliver. For. Councillor Ranger. For. Councillor Rolfe. For. Councillor Riles. For. Councillor Sell. For. Councillor Wells. For. Thank you. Well, that's clearly carried. We'll, we'll tot up and we'll let you know the, the, the full numbers. Thank you. Okay, well, thank you very much. We'll move on to item 11, voting by ballot at council meetings. And I think Councillor Oliver is going to speak to this. Thank you, Chairman. First of all, may I thank you for your comments about my wife earlier. It's much appreciated. After 53 years of marriage, it is a bit of a black hole at the moment in my life. So, anyhow, I, you have the recommendation on agenda item 11, and I move that the Council adopts the pro proposed change to the Constitution set out in the appendix of the report, which provides for, for contested appointments made by the Council to decide by way of ballot. I so move. Does that find a seconder? Councillor Jones. Right, we'll go to the vote then. All the ah. uh, Madam Chairman. I apologise, Councillor <laughs> Sell. I can't support this motion. I spoke against it in governance and audit and performance. And I said then, I say now, that I am a believer in transparency and I don't believe that votes for contested elections should be done by secret ballot. It should be clear to everyone, members of the public, whoever, 
who we believe should be entrusted with that office. And if people feel that, and it has happened, that people will go against their particular party line in favour of a particular nominee. So I think this will be a retrograde step and therefore I will not be supporting it. Thank you, Councillor Chambers. Thank you, Madam Chairman. Madam Chairman, I feel quite strongly about this. We have now been, uh, this council has been sitting for, what, three and a half years? And what is mentioned at every meeting? It is sort of, it says something about transparency and there's something about openness. And what are we doing? We're looking to vote to have something in private. This is a democracy. We should here be voting this down by everybody. Now, I'd like, Madam Chairman, I, I, have, I will ask for a recorded vote because I think everybody needs to know. Do you want to vote for something that all our principles are against? Or do you want to go to secrecy in council meetings when you're frightened somebody from the opposition might get into trouble because they vote the other way? Well, I'm sorry, it's just not right. Parliament doesn't do it, so why the hell should we do it down here? It is very, very important. If you wish to have a, a, to have a recorded vote, that's fine. If you wish to have a show of hands, that's fine too. That's open and transparent. If you're going to go to a system where you have a private ballot, no thank you. We don't live in Russia, we live in Great Britain. Thank you. Thank you, Councillor Hargreaves. Uh, just a correction to Councillor Chambers' statement. Um, on, this is only relates to uh, elections of chairs and deputy chairs where there is a contested vote. And that is how the House of Commons does it for the Speaker. That is also how the presiding officer of the Welsh Assembly is elected if there is a contested vote. Uh, vote. It is also how the presiding officer of the Scottish Parliament is elected if there is a contested vote. If I may speak further on this, please. Um, the role of chair is impartial, non-political. In May 2017, there was a contested vote and a ballot was arranged, five signatures were obtained, and then on the night there was the call for the recorded vote, which at the moment trumps the, the ballot. I immediately got a kick under the desk and a whisper saying, well, that's it. We've all got to vote with the party now. And actually, prior to uh, the, the call for the recorded vote, there was a stage whisper from a member of another party saying how they would vote. And then when the recorded vote was called, they voted the other way. So I saw their evidence. What we're getting is, a, at that point, having it as an open vote, is a political vote for a non-political position. Now, because oh, this is all nonsense, we can all vote as we wish. Of course we can. We're all free to vote as we wish. But in practice, we know that we have... We've got loyalties. Loyalties to our friends, our colleagues, our party. And the practicality is, on something like that, you've got a darn good reason 
not to vote on an open vote for your, for your party colleague. Now, so that's the argument here then is that by having the, the, the secret ballot, you then enable entirely non-political voting for a, a non-political role. So that's the argument for. The argument against, of course, is transparency. Now, in this particular case, we're looking at only internal elections. So I would argue, in terms of what the public are interested in, their interest, well, by and large, the public aren't interested in anything, how we vote on anything, but in terms of our own, but even those who perhaps are interested on things of great importance to them, which we can just been debating, when it comes to our own internal elections, internal matters, I would suggest that the public really do not have any great interest at all. And in terms of their right to know, then I would say that their right to know on an internal election, where it's not, it's not something which is impacting them in particular, I would say their right to know that is actually a very small consideration. And the weight between having the possibility of the impartial vote against public's right to know is a balance towards the, the impartial vote. Three, three points finally, just, just to wrap up. Um, if this does not alter, if councillors want to have their individual vote recorded, this proposal does not change that. That can still be done. <coughs> this second point, this only applies to the, the votes for chairs and deputy chairs. Everything else, all the other council business stays public, open, that is sacrosanct. There's no intention to change that. So this is not thin end of the wedge. <coughs> and I come back to my final point. The Scots, the Welsh, the UK Parliament for the recorded, for the contested vote for their speakers, chairs, that is what they consider to be the right way to do it. And if it's correct for them, well, I'll stop. You can finish the sentence. Thank you very much. Councillor Freeman. Yes, thank you, Madam Chairman. Um, I'll take us back to a time when I served on what was then the Development Control Committee uh, in this chamber back in the early part of the 2000s. And Mike Hibbs was leader of the council then. And whilst we were sitting in a circle here, a party came in uh, to the gallery, led by Mike. And uh, they looked, all guys, and they looked at us with great suspicion down here. Uh, and afterwards I asked Mike what it was about. And apparently it was a delegation from Iraq. Uh, and they were being given a tour of the great British democratic system, you see. Uh, and... Mike had brought them into a planning committee in the gallery. He didn't interfere with the meeting. So since he is a good friend of mine, I asked him afterwards what, what was going on. And he explained it to me. And he then said uh, he had a question from uh, the party, which was about 20 individuals. Why are they putting their hands up in the air? And so Mike said, well, they're voting. And they said, well, what does that mean? So Mike explained what voting was and why we did it and what went on. And there was a period of silence. And then somebody said, well, wouldn't it be easier if one person decided for everybody? 
And actually, if you ever worked and lived in countries of that sort, that is actually not an unreasonable question to ask. One person makes the decision, everybody else gets in behind them. It's so much easier in so many different ways. Uh, now, that's not the way we do it here, Madam Chairman. Uh, sometimes I think we wish we could. And I, I'm very sympathetic with Councillor Chambers' point about transparency, and I, I, I actually 100% agree with him on that matter. Uh, but I also take my uh, own leadership from the way the British Parliament works when they elect a Speaker. Uh, no, it's not different. It's the same thing. It's the Chairman of that House, in some respects. Sorry if I may be allowed to finish without interruption. It's the Chairman of the House, and it is something which... I think my colleague, uh, Councillor Hargreaves, is absolutely correct that it's very hard to vote against uh, your own uh, party, your own people, your own, the people you know well. It's not impossible. It can be done. We've demonstrated it just now. Uh, and uh, it's, it's something that uh, there are very few occasions when transparency is um, not the, the thing that we should do but I think this is one of them and the reason why Madam Chairman very simply is of course this council has changed this council is never going to be the same again it's never going to be largely a single party council that system has changed because of the number of people that we're bringing into Uttlesford from outside with the new houses that you're building one on top of another on top of another and you could argue well the people that occupy those new houses may be of a, of a particular persuasion it's the reason why when there are new housing estates and they're newly occupied you go around and knock on their doors and try and persuade them to join your particular camp uh, but these people will be finding that they don't have the medical services that they require the things that have been advertised to them by the developers are not being delivered or aren't being delivered just yet. They haven't got the schools, haven't got this, haven't got the other. And so they will be of a different species in terms of their persuasions. And this council will never be the same again. It's always going to be a fractured council, in my view. It's my opinion. I'm entitled to my opinion. It will always be a fractured council and therefore there will particularly be a need for secret ballots when it comes to choosing chairman or chair ladies. Thank you, Councillor Freeman. Uh, Councillor LeCount. Thank you, Chair. I, I sit on the, um, the GAP committee and I listen to all the arguments for and against and I'm not going to spend any more time but say I agree with, with my colleagues here, Hargreaves and uh, Freeman. I'm voting for. Thank you. Um, Councillor Dean. On the, um, on the last agenda item, uh, my colleague on my right voted one way and my colleague on my left <laughs> voted the other way and I didn't kick either of them. Uh, you'll be pleased to know. Get kicked back. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> I'm, I'm a bit puzzled by the wording here and I know that's not really, really what we're discussing but in four, paragraph 14.8 it says if more than one person is nominated well, if there isn't more than one person nominated, then there's no ballot of any type. So I, I don't quite know why that wording is in there. But to me, this is about um, being grown up and, uh, and open. Um, the last thing I want us to do is to start uh, adopting the antediluvian practices of Westminster, uh, which is back in the 18th century, if not earlier. Um, I... I was, when I came, I actually assumed, because my colleague on my left 
was a member of the um, GAP committee that he'd uh, voted for this, but it appears that Councillor Sell is, is of um, the same mind as me, that this is a wrong proposal or an ill-advised proposal, uh, and therefore I also agree with my friend Councillor Chambers uh, and others. I think that, you know, we're all grown up. You know, we, nobody's going to go home and cry or come and smash your windows if you don't vote for them. Uh, I, th I just think that we should be transparent and uh, open and big enough to vote for whomever we think is the right person, for whatever reason. I hope people vote for different reasons on all occasions, but just be your own person and uh, stick your hand up. So I will vote against this. Uh, Councillor Wolf. So uh, I speak as, uh, as an individual um, and uh, certainly not as leader of the council and even if I was speaking as a leader of the council I don't think it would make any difference. I agree with you Councillor Dean that uh, there will be many occasions where people have expressed their individual opinion. Um, I do this with a slight heavy heart because uh, I respect my colleagues on GAP um, and we do ask GAP to put forward uh, recommendations but uh, as I said, as, as an individual, I think this would be a retrograde step. We can trade examples around the world. I think in America, it is a show of hands. Certainly it was for the latest um, uh, admission onto the Supreme Court. So I'm not quite sure that's relevant. I, 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 I just don't see the problem. Uh, people, people will do what they think is the right thing to do, and we do it in the full uh, uh, evidence of transparency. So I, I, I will be voting against this as well. Thank you. Thank you, Chair. I'll be voting for this because it's, um, I'm usually the first person to speak about democracy and transparency and openness. However, in this case, I absolutely agree that, it's, uh, that people should be given a free and a fair vote and not be seen, um, not be influenced by what other people, how other people are voting. So I'll certainly be voting in favour. Thank you. Councillor Howell. Madam Chairman, councillors, many of the points I was going to make have actually already been made, but I, I don't propose to, to support this proposal. I did attend GAP. I have to say that, that almost everything that GAP says normally I consider to be very sound, so I was surprised by this proposal. I, I am truly astonished that anyone could come here and be so embarrassed by their views that they didn't feel able to express that to their neighbours to each other. Um, I have never been embarrassed to stand up and give you my opinion on any subject you ask on. Um, and when it comes to the election of chairman or vice chairman of particular um, parts of this organisation, I agree with Councillor Hargreaves. They are completely irrelevant, but it is the principle that we are dealing with here. Everything we do should be transparent. We speak regularly of the need for it, and this is <coughs> potentially the, the start of a precedent. I recognise that that's not been the issue on debate here, but I think that it would be a retrogressive step. Councillor Foley. Madam Chairman, I, I... Councillor Foley. He don't, yeah, you don't mind if I just say one word, do you, Councillor Foley? Yes, Councillor <laughs> Foley. <laughs> Yes, um, I've come in to this with an open mind, actually, because I think I see, I genuinely see two, uh, two sides of this. Now, I understand, I think, uh, the reasons behind this. 
Um, it's up for the people that made the proposal to, to open up about the reasons behind it. But I'll just say one thing. Be brave. Listen, I've never been afraid to speak my mind. And I've had, we've had a discussion about this beforehand. And, and frankly, there was disagreements about it uh, then. But overall, I think the balance that I take is one of open and transparency at the end of the day. I, uh, however, I understand where you're coming from. I know where it's coming from. But at the, at the end of the day, you've got to be brave enough to say what you feel, uh, feel about stuff. And I know that what is in people's minds is basically people feel that people are just basically voting along party lines. And it does happen. Uh, there is nothing stronger in my, over 25 years that I've been coming to this uh, place than the pressure that comes from political groupings. However, uh, just be brave, uh, 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 and I'm sure the people here uh, that I've seen uh, speaking up against their own party sometimes, or not necessarily their own party, but their view on what their party uh, view should be. Uh, so I think at the end of the day, I won't be voting for it. I think transparency is the key to all this, to be honest. Sorry, Councillor Ranger. Uh, thank you, Chairman. Yes, it's worth bearing in mind, I think, that the tradition of this council is that the administration, after an election, i.e. that's the party that wins the majority of the seats and uh, sorts out the policies of the council, it's tradition that they consider who would make the best candidate to be the public face of the council because that's what the chairman is. It's the public face goes around the whole county representing this council. So it's fair that we do, in an open and transparent way, express our feelings about who would make the most suitable candidate. Thank you. Right, I'm going to go to Councillor Asker first because you have already spoken. So. Thank you, Madam Chair. Um, it's interesting listening to everybody because I just wonder what everyone's so frightened about. I don't see a problem whatsoever. Um, we were all elected by the public to, to represent them in our respective wards privately. They wouldn't stand up and put their hands up and vote. They marked a piece of paper. I don't see what your issue is. This is not a big deal, and this is just for one position. Right, I will allow you just to come back quickly. Just, it's just, no? Please admit, it's just a point of information, please. Yeah, I, I will allow you to come back just, just quickly. It's just to answer uh, Councillor Dean's point about what happens if there is only one uh, candidate. This does not apply if there's only one candidate. It's only if it is contested. So that doesn't apply. That's all Thank I want. You. Right, I just wanted to ask Councillor Jones, since you seconded the motion, whether you wanted to speak. No, thank you, Chairman. I think the motion stands by itself. Thank you. Okay, well, it has been proposed and seconded. Have we been asked for a recorded vote? Yes, please. <laughs> oh, ironically, a recorded vote. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, uh, so, Councillor Artis is, is, isn't here. Councillor Asker. Four. Councillor G. Barker. 
Thor. Councillor S. Barker. This is going to be fun so, against. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Councillor Chambers. Against. Councillor Davy. Against. Councillor Davis. Against. Councillor Dean. Against. Councillor Fairhurst. Against. Councillor Farthing. Against. Councillor Felton. Against. Councillor Foley. Against. Councillor Freeman. For. Councillor Gerard. Against. Councillor Goddard. Against. Councillor Gordon. Against. Councillor Hargreaves. For. Councillor Hicks. Against. Councillor Howell. Against. Councillor Jones. For. Councillor Count. For. Councillor Lees. Against. Councillor Lemon. Against. Councillor Light. For. Councillor Lachlan's not here. Uh, Councillor Mills. Against. Councillor Morris. Against. Councillor Oliver. For. Councillor Ranger. Against. Councillor Rolfe. Against. Councillor Riles. Against. Councillor Sell. Against. Councillor Wells. Against. Well, well, we'll add up the numbers. The motion's clearly lost, or the recommendation's clearly lost. Uh, we do have the, the, the figures for the last vote, if you like to represent Right. So this was for the vote on the addendum for the focus changes. There were 25 votes for, four against, and two abstentions. And it's 8-4-23. Oh. On, on the last okay, and this one was 8 yeah, eight, four, twenty-three against, and no abstentions. Right, thank you. So, um, moving on to item twelve on the agenda um, concerning, well, absence from meetings um, about Councillor Anjum. I think the comment is fairly self-explanatory, um, and really, I'm we're asking a vote to say that we will excuse someone basically if they're off sick which in this case is, is the case. So um, unless anybody wishes to speak to that, I think we can just go to the vote. Are we all happy yeah. with yeah. that? Yeah. So yeah. show of hands. Yeah. Right. Thank you. Um, I think we'd all send Councillor Anjum our best wishes for a speedy recovery. Yeah. Right, moving on then to item 13 is a motion from Councillor Foley. Yes, please. I'd like to pause uh, this motion. Would you like me to speak? No. It's got to be seconded. Yeah, sorry. I'll have a seconder, please. Okay. Yeah. Okay, I'll be brief. Um, uh, the local community group Stop Stansted Expansion deserves the council respect for championing democratic accountability, transparency and public representation over many years with technical professionalism on matters such as the environment and health and other impacts on the local community associated with uh, London Stansted Airport. Uh, 
The Council also recognises the employment and other economic benefits that the Manchester Airport Group-owned local airport brings to the district and to the adjacent sub-region. In the forthcoming engagement sessions, which um, uh, are going to be have just been announced, uh, the Council welcomes the stop standard expansion be given adequate facilities and time in its role as community champion and representative of many residents and parish councils to explain its interpretation of the airport's current growth proposals. Furthermore, the council, the council considers that Manchester Airport Group should be afforded commensurate facilities and time to explain its proposals if it so desires. Thank you. Thank you. Does that find a seconder? Councillor Mills. Oh, I beg your pardon, Councillor. So, does anybody wish to speak to that? Councillor Farthing. Terry, your mic's on. This motion has been put to us by Councillor Foley, who is a member of SSE, who was proud to take his chequebook out earlier on and wave it to us all and urge us all to join. Yep. Many, many people see Stansted, uh, Stop Stansted as self-appointed pressure group who see conspiracy theories around every corner. They may have been started with good intentions when the proposed second runway seemed a possibility. However, their flat earth view of the world is not supported by a large portion of the community who may not be quite as vocal. This motion reads as an advertorial for stop stance expansion and seems a complete waste of our time. Thank you. I will be voting against. Um, before I carry on with this, could I just um, reiterate that I think Councillor Foley has actually amended the motion that is written before you. So he did read out the amended version, but it's, yes, it, 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 it welcomes rather than... Yeah. Well, I know you said it, but I don't think it's in the written paper, so I'm just clarifying that it, it is. Right, fine. Oh, well, I'm advised by legal that council needs to consent to you changing, so... It, it, um, could I just have a show of hands that we're, we're happy with that? Thank you. Fine. Okay, so did anybody else wish to speak to that? Yeah. Councillor Rusker, did you wish to speak? I'm very happy with Councillor Foley's proposal. Fine. Councillor Mills. Uh, thank you, Madam Chair. Um, I'm happy to support this. Um, it got superseded by events. And uh, whilst I'm acknowledging the role that SSE play uh, over a number of years, I'd like to make it very clear that this should not be a platform for grandstanding. Um, certain statements have been made, cash for favours, blunders and things like that. I don't want to hear them. And I would remind everybody on the planning committee that uh, not getting a cheque out and joining SSE would be a sound policy. Thank you very much. Thank you. Councillor Lemon. Thank you, Chair. Um, this affects a huge number of, number of people in my community. Um, lots of, I, I state I'm not a member of SSE and haven't been for 15 years. Um, but I do listen to the members of my community and they feel that SSE should have f 
more time to uh, put their points of view because they're representing, I think, about 7,000 people that belong to SSE. They can't all come here to talk and they, lots of them say we're relying on SSE to put our point of view, so I should be supporting um, Councillor Foley. Thank you. Thank you. Councillor Oliver. Oh, sorry. sorry. Um, Councillor Hicks. Thank you, Chairman. Um, I find this uh, motion very difficult to support in the sense that it's uh, not uh, specifying any time. It's just saying sufficient time. Um, Sufficient, who's going to decide what is sufficient? SSE? Or, um, or whatever the council decides is an appropriate um, amount of time from what's available between the, the ne- over the next month or so when these things have to be decided. So I, I think it's a, a vague and woolly uh, motion and so I, I would find it difficult to support it for that reason. Thank you. Um, I'm going to ask Councillor Fairhurst because you have already spoken. Councillor Mills asked to come back. Thank you, Madam Chairman. I think you're absolutely right. I am a member of the Planning Committee, and I won't talk about the, the benefits or advantages or disadvantages of the application. It's a major application. It does affect this council and the district tremendously, so it's an important one. I'd like to answer a couple of questions, though. What is adequate time? I think that's up to the committee and, more importantly, to the chairman to decide that, and one has to be flexible and adjust to the needs of, of, of a particular matter. I think it's spurious to suggest that you should have X number of minutes or X number of hours. That will be determined by the chairman as and when it's required. But I would like to point out that grandstanding isn't only in, adv- in advantage to a particular group or, or lobbying uh, organisation like SEC. I'm not a member of SEC. I'm not even sure I agree with what they suggest. But grandstanding is also finding problems with them and giving them nasty names. That's not what this council is about. It actually prejudices the role of our committee in future. So I'd like that to be withdrawn, if you don't mind. Right, then Councillor Mills, would you like to come back? Uh, Thank you, Chairman. Um, I was basically just reading from their sort of press release, so uh, those statements have been made. Um, That is their opinion. Fine, that's fine. No, I will not uh, retract it. Thank you. Okay, so if no one else... Madam Chairman, I'm terribly sorry. Then we have a problem. Then we have a problem in this chamber. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to turn to my chairman and he must make a decision on this because if this brings our committee into disrepute, it makes the objectivity of the committee sitting that's coming in the next week very difficult to do. We have t- taken a position in this council against one of our, 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 our stakeholders. And I ask for, for my chairman to make a comment on this. Thank you for that. Um. <laughs> As we've just debated, everybody is entitled to their opinion. So Mr Farthing has given his opinion, okay? Uh, That will be discussed and debated when we go to planning committee. We will listen to what everybody has to say and then we will each reach our own opinions. And on that point, I think we can set. Thank you. Um, Right, Councillor Rolfe, then I'm going to ask the legal officer if he wishes to make any comment and then I'll ask Councillor Foley to sum up. So stay closely to the motion in hand. 
which is about the process, is nothing else, particularly members of the planning committee, you don't express any opinion. You're purely talking about the process. The process laid out in this motion has taken a, some time to reach the right balance, that all parties are satisfied with what is in this motion and that it, it meets the legal criteria. So I strongly urge councillors not to pursue extraneous subjects and just focus on the subject. Thank you. Did you wish to comment? If, if it's helpful, but uh, um, in my view, nothing that's been said tonight will prejudice the planning committee's consideration of the application. Councillor Gerard. Sorry, could I just check, could I ask uh, the Democratic Services if Councillor Farthing is or is not a member or substitute on the planning committee? He's a substitute, yes. Then he must recuse himself from sitting on the planning committee at the it's application. That is a bias, I'm sorry. It's not a matter for debate at the Council Chamber who can or cannot consider the planning application. Thank you. Well, I'm going to ask Councillor Foley if you'd like to sum up and present your... Extremely briefly. Um, really, the reason, I think, uh, I don't want to stray from, from the motion. I completely concur there. But the motion was put down for a reason. And the reason was that initially I didn't feel that the, an ad adequate time was given. And in terms of my mentioning, I'm not presently a member, just for, for the record, of SSE, but we'll be doing so joint in the, for transparency, <coughs> you, uh, so that you know. So I really will leave it at that and really uh, suggest we go to a vote. Okay. Right, thank you. Well, we will go to the vote. So I could I ask those in favour of the motion to show... And those against? And any abstentions? So that motion is carried. Right, before we um, press on, it is half past nine, so can I have a show of hands that you are content to carry on with this? Thank you. We're entitled to food now. <laughs> Right, the item 14 has been withdrawn, so we move on to item 15, which is a motion presented by Councillor Sell about plastic waste. Right, thank you, Madam Chairman. I try not to detain members too long. Uh, with the leave of the Council, I'd like to make a few changes to the motion, minor changes. I'm grateful to <coughs> Councillor Susan Barker, the portfolio holder, for her suggestions. And in the first paragraph, it should read now, to this end, the council will ask the Waste Strategy Working Group, to this end, the council will ask the Waste Strategy Working Group to consider, and the rest follows as in the text. So to this end... Uh, the Council will ask the Waste Strategy Working Group to consider. There's no point setting up a, another body, and we've got one that can do this job, even though it may well be dormant at the moment. One small change, further change, 
in 5, uh, I think it's my fault, it's a typo, reloop should actually be recoup, R-E-C-O-O-P. I did check. All right. It's really, well, there's a recoup as well. Uh, right, anyway. I'll leave it there, but um, the, the, the motion is an attempt for this council to set a lead, set an example, lead by example, what many people will agree is a very serious issue. You may have watched a, a recent television programme on the issue of plastic, and I just want to give you one or two figures and just to let us be aware of the position that we face. And plastic was commercialised and first brought to the market in the 1950s. Since then, 8.3 billion tonnes have been created. Apparently, that's the weight of one billion elephants. A study last year in 2017 says that 9% of that plastic has been recycled, 12% incinerated, and 79% has been accumulated in landfills or the wider environment. And one programme I recently saw predicted that in the next 20 years, unless things change, there will be more plastic in our oceans than fish. So I suggest to Council that there is a serious problem and we can make a start, a small start. I'm deliberately not being prescriptive. It will be up to the Waste Strategy Working Group to look at, if we pass this motion, to look at ways that this Council can help to deal with the problem that we face. And I think we all wish that we leave this environment a better place than we found it. And at the moment, that doesn't seem to be the case. So this is a small attempt to raise the profile of plastic waste and for the Council to do something about it. Beg to move. Thank you. That find a seconder. Councillor Fairhurst. And Councillor Barker would like to... Oh, oh, right. Well... Yeah. Councillor Parker. Thank you, Chairman, and uh, thank you for taking those uh, minor amendments on board. Um, we are where we are in this cycle of councils. Um, in February, we'll have a budget meeting. In May, there'll be an annual meeting of a new council. So I'd like this piece of work to be fairly sharply focused so, um, and to bring a report back to this council in December. Um, I did take to scrutiny the other day um, education programme around... Um, recycling in schools, so we will add some specific issues around plastics to that. It is re-loop. I looked it up earlier. I didn't, I didn't know. I was checking too. Um, the Chief Executive just passed me a note to say that you'll be pleased to hear that our benches at Reynolds Court are made out of recycled plastic. So that is where some plastics do get recycled. Um, the other thing I'd like to add with your discretion to this is the fact that Michael Gove is due to produce a report that is expected imminently on the future of plastics and evidently um, providing it a prize in the next little while and to incorporate some of what that is suggesting into this review. Thank you. Councillor Fairhurst. Thank you, Madam Chairman. I not only support this, I, I suggest that we should 
Um, it's always good to lead, and, and we at Saffron Walden are a bit ahead of you here. We have a policy on plastics. Last night I launched a mayor's chart on plastics. Um, and it's not just a question of recycling, it's a question of usage of plastics. Um, and the point is this. We can't change the X million tons of, 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 of plastic waste by ourselves, certainly not in Uttlesford, certainly not in Saffron Walden. What we can do, though, collectively, is each one of us do one small thing and evangelise that small thing. So I, don't, I think it's a good start. But I would like to suggest that at some point we come to, come to a point where we actually evangelise and tell our 89,000 people to all make a small difference. And gradually that will grow into something more important. So yes, I would not only second this, I would, support, I would say we're on the right track. So well followed. Councillor <laughs> <laughs> well, Hargreaves. Yes, I, I strongly support uh, the, this motion. Um, could I ask possibly if the, if the working party may also be able to look at what happens with our, um, the collections out of our street bins? My understanding at the moment is they are not recyclable because everything, and I mean everything, goes in there. It may be too complicated to do that. If you're in a big city and you've got separate bins, it may be easier. But it does strike me that's something where uh, we aren't recycling something which possibly we could. The tins and bottles are going in there and I think probably going to... Uh, to landfill. But yes, I, I support this, and if the street bins could be done as well, that would be, be good. Right, well, if there are no more speakers... Could I, could I just respond to that point? Yes. Um, just to be reassured that um, Essex County Council has a, a waste facility, and the, the MRF in Basildon has a target for front-end recycling, so that black bin waste, when it goes there, whether it's from litter bins or from our own domestic properties, as that goes into the machinery, then metals and plastics and whatever come off before the residual is whatever. I don't say it's perfect, but it does, I think it has a target of something like 14% front-end recycling, so that that does reduce any residual waste that is then processed. So that is in place to take off the plastics, to take off the aluminium cans, a lot of which, as you say, will be in litter bins by the side of the road. But perhaps a bit of the, bit of the work could be actually, can you take it home with you and put it in your recycling? Thank you. Right. Uh, Councillor Sell, did you want to sum up or add anything? Uh, no, <coughs> Okay, well, we will go to the vote. All those in favour of the motion, please show. I think that's unanimous. Yeah, carried.